This episode is sponsored by Marietta First Baptist Church, a church united in Christ's love through faith, family, and community. You can join Marietta First Baptist in worship on Sunday mornings at 9.30. Thank you once again to Marietta First Baptist for sponsoring this episode. And now on to the episode. Welcome back to That's a Good Word, a podcast designed to assist and equip Christians through advice from people in ministry. If you are blessed by our content, we would appreciate if you liked and subscribed to our YouTube channel, and feel free to follow us on any of our social media accounts as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, We're honored today to have on Mr. Stephen Reagan. He is a senior associate mission strategist at the Three Rivers Baptist Association. We're very appreciative of him coming on and giving us his time. Thank you so much for being here, Stephen. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Yes, sir. So as we always start, we'll give you an opportunity to share your testimony and then tell us you know, your story of your different roles in ministry and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I grew up in and around church uh, with my with my parents and my mom specifically, taking me to church regularly. And um, a pastor that was in our congregation was um, just uh, there helping um, kind of share the hope of the gospel with families in the community. And he recognized that my mom was regularly at church, but my dad wasn't. And mm-hmm. so he reached out to my dad and set up some time to spend some time with him. And so he led my dad to the Lord. And through that, my dad was baptized. And I distinctly remember the day that he was baptized, even though I'd been in church, uh, I began to ask a lot of questions, you know, about right. faith and about, you know, why was, you know, why was dad getting in a big pool of water? <laughs> what was that? What was that all about? Right. And as I continued to ask questions, um, my mom and my dad, who was now a new believer, were like, these are these are strong questions that I don't think they felt comfortable answering. Mm. So they asked the pastor to come over to our house. And so he came over on a Tuesday night. I guess that was regular visitation night. Uh, right. <laughs> he came over to our house and uh, shared the gospel with me. And uh, that night I prayed to receive Christ. Wow. Um, my dad and I prayed together. And uh, just a shortly after that, I was baptized. And so um, very much... Uh, you know, was a product of my father coming to faith hmm. in the sense of just the the questions I began to ask and think about in terms of my own faith. Right. So that was that was ultimately how I accepted Christ as right. my personal Lord and Savior. Wow. I mean, and you think about just kind of the fatherly influence there today, how important that is, because in, in many, um, just the reality of our, our world today is that sometimes, in many cases, the father isn't there yep. and just kind of, um, the importance of the father figure being there and how important it is for the rest of the household in terms of their faith. I mean, is that kind of, yeah, you absolutely. That, so? And, you know, honestly, I see God's um, sovereignty in the whole situation because mm-hmm. it wasn't just a couple months after that. My dad had a really bad motorcycle accident and ended up not even being able to be in church mm-hmm. for several years because he spent a lot of time with surgeries and hospital visits and therapies and things like that. And so, um, you know, had he not at, accepted Christ when he did. And then the Lord prompted me and, you know, and learning and thinking about his own baptism and me asking those questions. I don't know that I would have seen that example in church for several years after that. And so it really was cool to see, even in the midst of what was to come, a bad situation for our family. um, God used that timing right before that to capture my heart and and my love for him. Wow. So then, you start to feel the call to ministry at, at some point. I mean, where, where did you really start to 
feel that, hey, maybe God wants to use me in a, in a ministry role specifically? Yeah, so uh, specifically with my father um, being uh, having a lot of issues from that accident, I thought for a long time I was going to be a physician. I wanted to help people. I saw how they helped my dad. And I was very involved in youth group at church and a part of the church. And the church loved on our family really well through that crisis. Um, so I had an appreciation for the church. But I thought, hey, you know, ministry uh, is not something I really want to do. I can do that and be a physician at the same time. Right. And so I kind of had my heart set on that and my sights set on that. But really in an, uh, early high school, I felt God begin to call me towards ministry. And I, honestly, I ran from it hmm. for a little while. I wasn't. Uh, sure that that was something I wanted to do. I didn't think I could get up in front of people and talk that, uh, you know, I was kind of book smart and I wanted to keep studying and doing, you yeah. know, uh, head towards med school, those kinds of things. So I really struggled with that call to ministry. And we had an interim pastor at our church. It was a Sunday night service. I distinctly remember he began that message and I just felt like uh, God had just told him to preach this message to me. <laughs> <laughs> I realize now as a pastor that he probably didn't sense that, nor did he yeah. uh, even plan that message for me. Uh, but he was talking about calling and, and sacrificing for ministry and setting aside your life for ministry. And he even said towards the end of the message, you know, I believe God may be calling someone here mm. to surrender their life to ministry. And I remember that night saying, okay, God, um, I'm done running from it. I'll right. surrender to it. Right. You think about um, what the world kind of tells us today is to, Really, especially with careers, just follow your heart, you know, do what makes you happy, for yep. instance. But um, ultimately, we're told, told to deny ourselves, take up a cross. And many times in our career, we don't necessarily do what we thought we would always do sure. um, or what we think would make us happy at that time. And yep. so I, I imagine you see, although maybe you you said you ran from it when you got into ministry, you definitely saw the blessings and the, and the joy that comes from that. I did. And I even saw how God used my experience in hospitals and yeah. waiting rooms and those kinds of things to minister to people and to families in unique hmm. ways. So even though God, even though I thought in my heart, Hey, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a physician. Uh, God was using those experiences to prepare my heart for pastoral ministry. And one of the things that a lot of pastors, you know, sometimes go, man, I don't want to make this hospital visit today or mm. they're awkward or they're, it's, it's not fun. It's something I actually enjoy because yeah. I remember being on the other side of that. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, there were some times even in, you know, college and as I was starting in seminary and stuff that I thought, you know, maybe this isn't, you know, maybe I should go to med school. Maybe I should, yeah. <laughs> maybe I should switch. And there were even people that told me, you know, Hey, you're gifted, uh, academically, you should consider this, you should do this. And, kind of that whole follow your heart mentality. Hmm. Uh, and I even looked for some ways, I think, to justify the fact that, well, maybe I can do what God's calling me to do and do this. Maybe hmm. I can go into medical missions. Hmm. And I went on some mission trips to see if that was something that God was calling me to. Um, but over and over again, God just impressed on my heart that he was calling me towards full-time vocational ministry wow. and um, maybe not even medical missions that I didn't need to spend my time in med school that I needed to go on and study right. uh, religion. Right. Uh, did you did you grow up in this area, or when you started as a pastor? I mean, where where were you? Where were you? At? Yeah, I was in the Spartanburg area, is where I grew up. Um, went to school in South Carolina um, at Erskine, and so spent some time there, and uh, spent some time in the Dues, Greenwood, Anderson area, and then my ministry came brought me back to Spartanburg County, and I've been in the Greer, Spartanburg, Greenville area right. ever since. And so, were you just a? Have you always? Are you you've had the experience of both a worship pastor and then 
kind of a lead pastor and so many different roles within the church specifically, right? Yes. Um, so I've worked, uh, so I did music in college as well. And uh, so that gave me some opportunities to get uh, worship pastoring experience and ministry experience during college to help pay for college yeah. uh, and <laughs> uh, did some student ministry stuff as well. Uh, before jumping into a lead pastor role. Right. One thing I thought that was fascinating that you said, and many, many people in ministry I hear say that um, their experiences and their other roles, such as like you being a physician and being in the medical field, helped you in your role as pastor. Um, would, would being in that those different ex, those different roles in the church, you know, worship, in the worship role, in the student role, and then working as a lead pastor, those all kind of work together too for you to get a full kind of scope and, and, and idea of how ministry works? Yeah, absolutely. I think of many times, you know, just learning alongside of a pastor hmm. when you're preparing a worship set and you're seeing him do ministry. I mean, it helped prepare me for pastoring. Right. Um, you know, even in student ministry, when I was doing that full time, uh, working under a pastor, seeing how a church staff works and uh, being, a lo- being a part of that it prepared me for leading my own staff and working alongside um, a staff of of ministers, uh, but it also gives you an opportunity to try some things, um, yeah. figure out what you're good at, um, hone some skills. Right. Um, certainly, you know, there were some times even when I was leading worship that our pastor was out and he asked me to preach. It gave me a great yeah. opportunity to step into the pulpit and do some things and try some things out for the very yeah. first time uh, in a safe environment where I knew people loved me and cared about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while I was still working and trying to serve God the best way I knew how. Right, definitely. I mean, part of the pastor role as the, as the lead pastor is to mentor the people that are that you're working with. Um, did you have some mentors, like you, you just mentioned, the pastors that you kind of worked with, were they kind of mentors in your in your life as you, per, you know, pursued ministry and then eventually got that role as a, as a lead pastor? Yeah, I had a couple of mentors that really had a big influence on me. One was um, a gentleman, a lay gentleman in our church, when I accepted a call to ministry. He was chairman of Deacons. Uh, he was chairman of our pastor search committee. I told you there was an interim pastor in place when I felt the call to ministry. And uh, he just kind of took me under his wing and kind of showed me the lay ministry side of serving as a yeah. deacon, uh, which was huge for me. I remember sitting in his office um, after a pastor search committee meeting, and he just showed me the resumes of the guys that the church was talking to. And we talked through it and talked through and prayed through, you know, who God may be calling to serve in that church. And so he mentored me um, a lot. Uh, He gave me um, actually a job to do. He owned a business in town. So I learned a lot about work ethic from him in that process. And then when I got into my first church role, I was in college at the time. And the pastor that I worked under was just phenomenal. Um, he, He cared about me. And mentoring me, he realized that in school I was going to get the book knowledge that I needed, mm-hmm. that I was going to, you know, get the theology things that I would need in school, but that there were other things to ministry beyond the book knowledge, right? That I needed right. to learn. So um, I distinctly remember one Saturday night, I was near the church. Um, my phone rang, and he said, "Hey, come, come over to the parsonage. We're getting in the car." And it was like nine o'clock at night, and I'm thinking, "What in the world are we having to do for the church at nine o'clock at the <laughs> night?" But he got a call. To a family who, you know, was having, you know, a major issue at a hospital and he wanted me to go along with him so that I could mm-hmm. watch him as he ministered to that family. And so he took every opportunity he had to take me along um, right. to convention meetings, to hospital visits, um, you know, to deacon meetings, personnel committee meetings, yeah. 
all of those things so that I could watch how he did ministry. And he gave me those opportunities to observe him. And he really played a, a huge part in my life, mm. um, helping shape the ministry that I have even today. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that, that sure. testimony and going, going through that. With your role with the Three Rivers Baptist Association, I mean, you probably have uh, your foot in, in many ponds. I know you do <laughs> many things. You work a lot with the pastors in the area and um, just with the churches in, in, in our area and do a lot of things. But you also work with a lot of our, our missionaries. I know you have a deep passion for missions. Kind of just talk about your role with the Three Rivers Baptist Association. Yeah, absolutely. So my area focuses on three things um, because I have served in multiple staff roles um, on a cha- on a church staff, not just a lead pastor role. I primarily um, work with our staff pastors uh, and serve them and try to help uh, be there for them when they need something, something comes up to be a resource for them, whether it's mm-hmm. worship pastor, student pastor, executive pastor. I've served in all of those positions so I can help um, serve them when they have a question about something, they have a concern. Uh, So that's one bucket that I work in. I also handle all of our church administration um, for the association. So I handle paying um, all the bills, making sure the the lights stay on, that uh, (laughs) people get paid, uh, that, you know, our block party trailers are well stocked and cared for, all of that kind of stuff. So anything administrative I handle. And then my third category is international missions. So uh, Dr. Travis Kearns is our um, director, he used to work for the North American Mission Board. I know you've had him on your show before. Uh, he serves, um, because of that, he serves all of our North American mission partnerships, and I handle all of our international mission partnerships. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about the administrative side of things, of ministry yeah. stewardship in a little bit. Sure. Um, kind of first talking about missions, though. And, you know, you you have a passion for missions. You've got the opportunity to see many of our international mission missionaries in our association why should Christians today, just lay Christians and people in our congregations, have a passion for missions? Well, the reality is, is for those of us who are Christians, someone shared the gospel with us. Hmm. And there are people all over the world that need to hear the gospel. And we've been commanded as Christians to go. Um, you know, it's very clear in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, that we're to go and share this good news. We even get an example of that in the New Testament with Paul. Paul didn't stay in one place. He went on these missionary journeys to plant churches. And so this has been shown to us as an example since the early church of how we share our faith. And so our churches need to be replicating that. And uh, we're in a unique situation at Three Rivers and a part of the Southern Baptist Convention that we get to cooperate together because Mm -hmm. we recognize that together we can do more for the cause of missions through that cooperation than we can do independently. Um, Our individual churches have resources and can do a lot to send missionaries and to send people forward, but we can do even more when we pull those resources together and we send even more people on the field. And so I think, you know, local believers need to get involved in missions uh, and be a part of it as, as is commanded to us in scripture. Yes, definitely. I mean, I can just second just from, uh, um, you know, Reverend Sam, Dune, who we had on the show recently, um, is a pastor in the association who is from Cambodia, and he came to faith in Christ from a Western missionary. He didn't Absolutely. even know what country he was from, but from a missionary from a Western country, um, came to faith, and someone led him to Christ there. Um, I believe it was, um, I believe it was in Vietnam, but okay. he he became a he became a Christian overseas awesome. from a, from an overseas missionary. So obviously, there's there's great importance for that. 
whether it's just maybe domestic or, or international as well, would you encourage, you know, even just members of a congregation to take mission trips and to be involved in missions so they can kind of understand that role? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of things that going to the field shows you. Um, one, it reminds you of the need. Hmm. You see, you know, we live here in the buckle of the Bible Belt. There's a church, it seems, on every corner. Right. And even though, you know, you know, only one out of, you know, every four people that you see are actually believers in our area, we tend to assume most of the people are believers. And certainly, overall, this is not an environment that's hostile to Christianity, right. or at least not on the whole. You go to these other places and you recognize how lost people are. Hmm. You can see it. You can sense it. And there are places that have gone that the minute I step off the plane, I can feel the weight of the darkness that's in those areas mm-hmm. in ways that I just don't feel when I'm here right. in the South. And so when people go and, and, and get and they're on these short-term mission trips or even long-term mission trips, it really gives them an opportunity to see lostness firsthand. Mm-hmm. And what I see a lot of times, even when I go, because I want to speak for someone else, I want to speak for myself is I come back and I see the area that I'm serving in differently Hmm. because of the lostness I saw there. Hmm. I'll give you a perfect example. Last August, I got to go to Thailand and spend some time with our international missionaries in Thailand. I sent my wife a message because we had this wonderful dish called khao soy. And it's, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's uh, basically a chicken soup with some noodles in it that's just incredible. A little spicy. And I've never had anything like it before. And I texted my wife. I was like, we've got to find this in the U.S. Yeah. And so she actually found a restaurant in Spartanburg that serves cow soy. And so as soon as we got back, I wanted to introduce her to cow soy. We went to this restaurant. And I started looking around this restaurant and thinking, you know what? There are Thai people in this restaurant because it served authentic Thai cuisine. And I started realizing, you know what? There's a Thai community in Spartanburg. Mm-hmm. And they need the gospel. And I struck up a conversation with the lady who owns the restaurant in Spartanburg and realized that she was from one of the cities where I first tasted this dish and she's been in the U S for a while. And so my wife and I have been going regularly um, just for the opportunity to share our faith with her over and over. And so, you know, you start to see opportunities. I could have gone in that restaurant before that trip and I wouldn't have thought about sharing the gospel with this lady in the same way that I did in that moment when I recognized that, wait a second, she's probably, she probably doesn't know Jesus just like the people when I was in Thailand didn't know Jesus. Mm. And so I think when people go on missions and go on mission trips, they begin to see their world differently mm. when they come back. Um, so that's a key reason I think it's important for to go. The other piece is um, to share the gospel. I mean, right. Our missionaries need help doing this work. Um, and so they want us to come alongside and help share the gospel in hard-to-reach places. And so it's encouraging for them when a group of believers come out um, because they're surrounded in a culture that sometimes is hostile to, towards Christianity. Hmm. And it's encouraging to be around believers. It's also encouraging uh, to go out on the streets and share the gospel and for them to see people's hearts changed by the hope of the gospel. So there's really, those are the two reasons that I say these. this is why you need to go. Right, certainly. And and for many Christians, there's kind of this, um, especially if they when they first come to faith, sharing the gospel for them can be an intimidating experience. But sure. Sometimes maybe going in a place where you're not normally at is a can be an experience where maybe you feel a little less pressure sharing the gospel if there's yep. an opportunity to do with other people, other believers, and yep. also do it in an area where you're not normally stationed at. Would you, would you 
say that, that that's uh, something that believers can find encouragement in? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it it's helpful when you see other people share the gospel. And mm-hmm. so you go on these trips and you see someone share the gospel. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Yep. And you learn from them, hey, you know, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was. Mm. Um, you know, it's recently in North Africa with some of our missionaries that are stationed there. And as a part of that trip, we were actively going out and sharing the gospel with people in a country um, where it's strongly discouraged Hmm. that you do that. And so, but it was very, uh, there were some people that had some apprehension ahead of time that hadn't done it before. Uh, But you go up to someone and you ask, hey, hey, do you speak English? And they strike up a conversation with you because they do speak English and they're asking you questions. And you realize how hospitable the people are in this country. Uh, You know, often in our culture, if someone walks up to you that you don't know, uh, they're going to want to try to get away from you as quickly as they possibly can. (laughs) What's the opposite in this culture? And so, you know, after doing it two or three times or watching someone else share the gospel a couple of times after just going up and striking a conversation and seeing how easy it was Mm. to have that conversation, uh, it really broke down those barriers for people. And there were people that on the plane ride over, we're thinking, oh, no, I don't know that I can ever do this. I don't know that I can ever share the gospel with a perfect stranger that, you know, two or three days in, they were just walking right up to people and out of the gate. Hey, do you speak English? You know, what's that mosque over there? Can you tell me about that? Uh, you know, how do you, you know, what do you do in the mosque? Okay, you go to pray. What does that mean? And just trying to lead that conversation toward God hmm. and sharing the gospel. And it was amazing to watch them begin to grasp that and take yeah. that on. Yeah. yeah. And for many Christians, there is this, um, you know, we, ha- we we are so comfortable in the United States. So maybe to see internationally, you probably see a lot of believers, the depths and just the difficulties they go through just to worship, just yeah. just to um, be together with other believers and, and have what we call, you know, church and a gathering. Um, what Does going on these international mission trips kind of give you a different perspective on how we should view the church and how we should view worship? Yeah, it's a beautiful picture of what the church really should be about. Hmm. Um, We get caught up and I've been guilty of this many times in making sure everything's just perfect for our worship services. uh, And so that, you know, people are comfortable and, you know, that, you know, we sing the song in the right key that we, we have worship just the right way that the sound level is exactly the way it's supposed to be. (laughs) And nobody's going to be upset. The AC is set to a perfect temperature and that people are dressed the way Um, People expect them to dress. And then you go overseas and you see these people who are literally gathering in a home Hmm. without air conditioning, um, singing acapella songs because there's not an instrument around and worshiping the same Jesus that we worship. And they're looking over their shoulder and they're wondering, is that door going to get busted in? Wow. Or am I going to get arrested because we're gathered together and worship? And you think, you know what, whether or not it's 72 or 68 in the sanctuary really doesn't matter. Hmm. Uh, Whether or not uh, that song was perfectly sung or the pastor wore a tie or not, all that doesn't really matter. These guys are worshiping the same God we are. And we just take so much for granted in that. And these guys risk everything sometimes, even their own safety, to gather together with fellow believers and break open his word and be encouraged by each other. It's a beautiful reminder of what church really should be. Yeah, absolutely. What a picture um, that is. Yeah. For 
people that may not know or, or may not really think about, there's a lot going on just in our association with missions and, and people being, being sent out. Mm-hmm. Um, just maybe to give people an idea of maybe just from our associate, I mean, even just the whole state is doing a phenomenal job, but just in our association, just how much is being done on the mission field kind of give us maybe a broader review of what's being done in our, you know, international missions. Sure. Um, specifically on the international front, uh, we've got folks that have been sent out by our churches. Yeah. And uh, they're, they are IMB missionaries on the field living abroad um, from our churches that are working all over the globe. And some of them are working in places uh, that we can tell you about, that we can share where they are, um, you know, people uh, in places like Thailand, people in places like Panama, and living in, in places that have an open relationship with our our workers, and so they don't have to, they can go in and say why they're there. Yeah. And then we've got folks living in places uh, like I visited just last month in North Africa that I can't share with you what country they're in. Um, because they would be put in jail for being there as missionaries. Um, but they're just as committed to sharing the hope of the gospel in a really difficult place. And so uh, they have to live uh, their life knowing that, you know what, if they, um, they could be arrested for sharing the gospel. Um, and so they just have to be careful for their own safety. Um, and so we've got folks all over. And so as a strategy from the association, uh, the first thing we're trying to do is partner with with places that our missionaries are serving, mm-hmm. that have been sent out by our, from our churches, so that we can make a connection, and that's really a benefit for our churches as well. So that when these missionaries come back home stateside for six months, eight months, uh, then they're going to come home to here because this is home, and mm-hmm. so they can come and speak in our churches and share with our WMU groups and our youth groups and. Uh, with our churches and tell about the work that's happening overseas. So from my perspective, you know, you know, that can be kind of the benefit of cooperative work and the challenge mm-hmm. of cooperative work is that sometimes when you're pooling resources together and sending somebody, if your church, you know, is just sending money and they don't know the person that's living in North Africa, um, they feel disconnected from that. But yes. if yeah. it's somebody who, they know, hey man, that person was sent out by Mountain Creek Church, hmm. and you know when they're here in December, I can I can go have lunch with them and hear about the work that's happening in North Africa. I think that connection's even deeper um, wow. for missions, and so that's kind of the strategy is to partner them with that. The other piece that we're trying to do is help our churches that have partnerships and healthy partnerships in cities. Maybe they don't have a missionary that went out of their church, but they've been going to um, Japan for missions for years and they've got a relationship with one of our missionaries that are there in Japan, then, you know, we want to partner other churches with the work that's happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm one person, I can't take our 90 churches all on yeah. teams or I would never see my family. I have to <laughs> limit the number of trips that I can do. Right. But I can partner um, this church over here with this church across the association and they can go together to serve the same mission partners. And so we're, we're looking at those places where our, our churches are already partnered and have strong relationships with missionaries to partner churches that are looking for opportunities right. to be in mission so that they have someone else they can go with uh, when they want to go on short-term mission projects. Right. Definitely. Yeah. yeah so, and, and kind of, this kind of goes with that. So it might just be seconding what you just said, but uh, maybe just how would you encourage or how, what are some ways that our local churches can get involved in international missions. You kind of already spoken about that. Maybe just, you know, if you want to add on sure. to it. 
Well, the biggest thing you have to think about when it comes to international missions is we want to keep supporting missionaries. Um, financially, we've got to keep giving so that they can stay on the field. And it was a tragedy several years ago when we had to bring missionaries back hmm. because we didn't have the funds to keep them on the field. Hmm. And so we've got to keep giving um, to the offerings that keep them there. That's a big part of that. Uh, the second one also doesn't involve getting on an airplane, and that's just providing resources for missionaries. Um, so that they can continue to do the work that they do. Uh, one such way is a couple of years ago, my wife and I bought a new vehicle and we had a vehicle that we could have used as a trade-in. And I had a conversation with one of our mission partners uh, overseas and they said, hey, I'm going to be back in town for a couple of months. Um, but man, renting a car is really expensive. And I thought, I told my wife, I was like, well, why don't we just not trade that car in? We'll sell it later. We'll let the missionaries drive it for a couple of months. Uh, we still have that vehicle because, and it's been used almost every single day since then right. by missionaries that are stateside. It just provides them resources so that they don't have to pay to rent a car um, when they're back here for a short um, season. They can just jump in that vehicle mm -hmm. and go drive that. And sure, there's some cost to us in that in terms of making sure you know that taxes are paid and insurance is paid, but it's a small cost right. to support the missionaries and the work they do. Um, the other ways you can uh, jump in and support without going is uh, we have mission partnerships that want us to send things that they can use as tools to share the hope of the gospel. I'll give you an example. We have missionaries in Bangkok, Thailand, and Thai people love Christmas. Now, it's not Christmas like we think of in terms of Christmas. It is all of the songs and the Christmas trees and, you know, Santa Claus and things like that. Uh, but they don't understand the reason we celebrate Christmas. Hmm. They don't understand about the Savior. And so they love Christmas time. They even love our Christmas songs. They love songs like Mary, Did You Know? But they don't understand the meaning behind it. Hmm. And, they're, and so what our missionaries there are doing is they're asking us, and so our association has our WMU groups, um, sewing stockings that we ship over to Thailand. And so these ladies are gathering together, sewing handmade stockings, sending them to Thailand. Our missionaries are using them and taking them as gifts to Thai people and say, hey, someone in, in America, in the U.S., wanted you to have this, and so they made this for you. And it's a Christmas stocking. They get excited because it's an opportunity um, for them to get a gift from America, and they love Christmas already. And then that missionary gets to share the hope of the gospel with them. And so those ladies in WMU that are sewing those stockings for us to ship to Thailand, wow. they're getting to play a part in missions. Wow. And then really the third way is to go, right? to be a part of that, jump on a plane, um, you can do short rides, you can do long rides, I've done both, um, but get on a plane, go see some missionaries, go spend some time doing missions, sharing the gospel in a place that has a lot of darkness mm -hmm. and doesn't have uh, a lot of resourcing in terms of the church and experiencing that firsthand. And I fully believe the more we do that, I think we'll see the fourth thing happen, which is one of the things we pray for as an association, is that God will call more people out of our pews to the mission field. Yes. And that's a, that's a huge step for a family yeah. to say, Hey, God's called me to leave my family behind right. to not see my parents on Christmas or Easter, right. To miss birthdays and weddings because I'm overseas, but to uproot our family, mm. move to another country for the sake of dedicating your life to share the hope of the gospel. Right. Um, 
but if we're not doing those first three things, we'll never get that last one. That's true. Yeah, certainly. And for church members that say, hey, I want to do a, a mission trip. I want to do an international mission yep. trip. Is that something where they would contact you or just would we get in touch with the association for something like that? Yeah. So the first thing um, I tell people is talk amongst your church. Mm-hmm. Make sure there's not something going on at your church international right. um, in terms of missions so Definitely. That, you, yep. that you might could get involved in. If there's not, come see us. Mm-hmm. We'll talk through uh, what kind of projects are you wanting to do? What what kind of ministry kind of matches your heartbeat? Um, some of our churches, they love to go in and build things. Um, so, you know, we'll match them with a partnership where they can go in and put a roof on, on a church, um, and help that church in that sense, uh, in kind of some poverty ministries. Some churches, they, they're like, you know what, we've got our evangelism teams and we want to hit the ground running, sharing the gospel. And so we'll partner them with somewhere where they can go into the country and just share the gospel over and over and over again. Um, some people, you know, say, well, we don't want to do something close to home. We want to do something far away. You know, those are the kinds of conversations we can sit down and have with anybody at any church and say, what's the heartbeat? What's God calling you to do? Let's find a missionary and partner you with them. And and part of my job is to help make those connections happen. And you may say, hey, our church has never done a mission trip. I wouldn't even know what to do when we got off the plane. That's part of the reason the churches together pay me a salary. I can go and help show you how to do this. Yeah. And then the next time, the next summer, when you decide to go, or two years from now, when you decide to go, you know how to do it now. You can go on your own and you can take somebody with you. Mm. And so that's part of the role that I play in awesome. helping make not only make those connections, but help our churches who haven't been doing international missions uh, find a way to do it and do it well. Yeah, amen, definitely. Um, thank you. And then obviously we'll, we'll put a link to the uh, association website. Absolutely. And then just... You want to get in touch with um, Stephen or anybody with the association? I'd be happy to help you. So, Absolutely. Um, thank you for, for for going through that. Another thing we want to talk about today was Christian stewardship and, yep. and and the importance of that. And you've had the opportunity here with the association working the administrative side, but also you. I mean, I believe you were a stewardship pastor at a, at a church. Um, you've had the opportunity to kind of kind of see that. When we think when Christians think about money and really how to be good stewards with their money, where do you kind of start with with that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, ministry takes money. <laughs> That's the reality. Um, and we see that even in Scripture, that, uh, you know, there there was money required for the ministry that was happening. Uh, Jesus had someone handling the money for the disciples as they were going around and doing the ministry that Jesus was doing. Um, and it was even a thief that was handling the money um, <laughs> and holding on to that. And so we recognize from the first part that we've been blessed as believers with anything that we have, it's, it's a gift from God and it's not ours. It's ours to manage for him. And so we have to be good stewards with that. And we have to make sure that not only are we faithful to do what God's called us to do with money, um, but that we do it wisely and we do it well. And uh, it's easy. It's easy to just say, well, you know what? God's given me this money. I'm not going to spend it. I'm going to put it over here. (laughs) Um, But there's a parable about that. Um, about not managing what God's giving you well um, and just hiding it and hoarding it. Um, and and we're not supposed to do that either. Right. Uh, we're supposed to put it to good use. So there's this tension that has to be managed in how we steward the resources well and how we make sure that we're spending money well, uh, that we're giving faithfully, that we're supporting the work at, at the right levels the way that God's called us to so that ministry can be done. Mm-hmm. And those missionaries that are overseas, they've got to have money to live. They've got to have money so that we can 
um, pay for apartments and cars and um, places for them to to meet with folks and and have coffee. We, our pastors have to have salaries so that they can do the work that they do, um, so that they can have a roof over their head. Um, so you, even as a pastor's kid, can grow up and eat something. That's, yeah. It's it's a part of what we have to do. Uh, right. Practically, you know, even the lights in a church building have to be paid. You know, somebody right. has to be paid for those. So we have to do those things well. Right. And a portion of my ministry has been dedicating dedicated to trying to help churches do that altogether. Right. Even in my own church, I'm still part-time on staff at a church doing as a stewardship pastor today, okay. um, helping serve Riverside um, Baptist Church with those financial decisions and making mm-hmm. sure we make wise financial decisions. Right. I mean, I believe, you know, sometimes we have this misconception as, as church members that um, we think about money, we think about it as our money. You know, it's my yep. money and I get to spend it spend it my way. And so sometimes <laughs> do you have do you have to kind of start with, hey, it's actually not. It's actually God's money. And then, you know, just start from there. And then does that kind of just change the perspective for people many times when you've had conversations like that? Yeah, I think uh, we all have we all struggle with this um, because money is the piece in our society that we reward our efforts and work. Hmm. And so our culture tells us you show up to your job, you get a paycheck. And so we get in our mindset from the beginning, I do this work, I get these dollars. Um, And it really, uh, for most of us, that's the approach and it's that simple. If I work, I get money. And then as I have money, it's my money. I can spend it however I want to. Um, Even couples, when I've done marriage counseling, that's one of the biggest challenges when you get married is trying to figure out how to put finances together and make decisions together Mm. um, that, that will benefit you both. But we all really have to step back and say, you know what? At the end of the day, I wouldn't have the job I have and get the paycheck that I have if God didn't want me to have it. Hmm. And it could all go away tomorrow. Hmm. And if that is the case, and I'm a believer, and Christ died on a cross for me, um, and, and really the only thing I need in this world is my salvation, then anything I have on top of that salvation is just a blessing from God to be managed by God um, for his glory. And so we have to kind of change that framework, just like you said, and have that conversation of this isn't mine to begin with. It's been entrusted to me. Um, God's given it to me to manage, and I have to be faithful in doing that and doing that well. Um, If I don't, he very well may take it away from me. Right. And, uh, and so I need to be faithful to manage that to his glory and his honor. And we should want to do that hmm. as believers, hmm. you know, at the end of the day, you know, some people get in their head, man, all I want to do is I want to retire and I want to retire well, well, so I can go on vacations and live life and do whatever I want to do. Um, that really shouldn't be the perspective of a Christian. Um, we should ultimately say, you know what? I want to get to a place where I can, I can give generously hmm. to the church and, and to missions and I can give it all. And I don't, I don't have to worry about where my next meal is coming from um, because that's taken care of and I know God's got it, but I can give so generously to what God's doing, wherever he's doing it, whatever he calls for right. us to do. And you can't do that if you don't steward your money well. So it really, you're right. It's a perspective switch. Yeah. yeah and you're really fighting against, you know, I mean, the idea of this, the American dream. I mean, yep. as a conservative person, it's hard for me to say <laughs> that. But it's like, well, you know, I mean, maybe this idea of retiring early and, you know, yep. taking a bunch of, you know, like you said, vacations, just going over the place, spending yep. money, 
you know, haphazardly is just not, is not the way to go. And you just, um, it, it's countercultural for sure. It is. And that's the, that's the problem is we, we love the idea of the American dream. We want the idea of the American dream, but the American dream's not in that Bible. Right. Um, it's just not. You're right. And we have to be faithful to do what the word of God says that we should do as believers. And ultimately for us, you know, whether or not we have a nice house or a nice car, and none of those things are bad. Right. Um, whether or not we can go on those vacations is far less important than whether we've been faithful to what God's called us to do in terms of ministry and missions. And so we have to just put those priorities yeah. in the right space. Certainly. Um, in the same way that, you know, uh, as parents, you know, when you have kids, you want to teach them, you know, how to use money well, and, you know, they get that, $10, for Christmas from their grandparents and they want to go straight to the junk aisle and buy all kinds of toys. <laughs> and you're thinking, I know this toy is going to be broken in no time. Right. Um, and you're trying as parents, you know, if you just save a little bit of it or you just spend it over here, this would be what better spent. Um, you know, as Christians, we have to learn over time, uh, you know, better ways to spend our money um, yeah. for the sake of the gospel. And it, it doesn't come naturally. It is countercultural. Right. Right. For the pastor, Yep. Um, Maytime, this can be a difficult subject just because of the reasons we just talked about, because of this American dream and just the way that people in our country and then in our part of the country view finances. Um, yep. So many, many pastors, I, I know I'm, I'm not a pastor, but I just from growing up as a pastor's kid and just, you know, talking to pastors, I, it can be difficult to have that sermon on uh, giving or tithing, you know, and it can be one that pastors kind of, kind of dread, but um as as a someone that's been in the ministry field for a long time and, and, and you know been in that pastor role, how do you believe pastors should kind of you know cultivate this idea of stewardship and giving in a uh, in a church? Yeah, you're absolutely right. A lot of pastors do shy away from talking about money. Um, one, it seems self serving, right? Because when your salary and and your own livelihood comes from the fact of, of whether or not people put money in the plate it feels awkward to encourage people to put money in the plate. <laughs> um, it seems self-serving, yeah. but the reality is pastors have been called to preach the entire counsel of God's word. Hmm. And God's word is full of passages about how we manage our resources hmm. and how we manage money. And I believe there are so many references to money in the scripture because God knew we would mess this up. God knew this was going to be a temptation. God knew this was going to be a struggle. And it is. We see it practically all the time. Um, I see it in, even in my own heart. Um, it doesn't take very long for me to get discontent about what I have or what I don't have. And so I have to be reminded from my own daily um, scripture reading and, and prayer that, hey, God calls me to not need the latest product that's down on the shelf that mm. I really, really want. It seems really cool. Um, you know, I'm an Apple guy. I love all Apple products. And right. every time they do a new event, they have something I want to buy. Um, but that's a lot less important than whatever is, um, whatever God's called me to do. And so if pastors are going to do their job and preach the whole council of skip scripture, we can't skip money. Hmm. It's in there over and over and over again. And so we're going to have to be faithful to talk about it uh, regularly. And that is hard for pastors to do, but I think the biggest thing for pastors is to remember what our calling is and to not apologize when we do have to preach on money, hmm. when it does come up in the text. Remind people, hey, I was preaching through the book of John, and here Jesus is talking about wealth. Hmm. And preach that message unapologetically. 
because that's what the text says hmm. and preach that with conviction because that's what the text says. Sometimes we confuse as pastors and we think, man, I don't know. It's a touchy subject. I don't want to get into it. You know, I, I get that, you know, this is what this passage is about, but I, I'm worried about what people will think. Um, how will they interpret it? Will it make them upset? Um, and we don't worry about that as much with other topics. Mm. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but we really stress about it with money. And I think we just need to recognize that, you know, sometimes people aren't always going to be comfortable with the messages we preach. Mm. And uh, that's that's part of pastoring. It's the hard part, but it's it's part of it. And we've got to be willing to talk about money. And, uh, you know, I, I used to. I don't anymore, but I used to get up there and almost apologize at the beginning of my message that it was about giving. Um, I don't anymore because God doesn't apologize for what's in his word. Right. Um, and I just stand on that and stand on that truth and preach it as faithfully as I can um, and remind people, hey, listen, God talks about money a lot. Um, and so you may, if I'm pastoring the church, you may hear me talk about money yeah. a fair amount because I'm going to try to mirror what God's talking about in his word as I preach the word faithfully. And not shy away from those passages of scripture. And also understand that it, it can be awkward, but it can also be a blessing. You know, there may be people in the congregation that look up and go, well, he's just preaching about this because he wants somebody to put an extra $100 bill on the plate today. Um, that's not your pastor's heart if he's preaching on money. He's right. wanting to be faithful to the word. Um, but at the end of the day, you may have people doing that, but you also may have somebody in your congregation that, they're struggling and they don't know how they've got so much debt. They don't know how they're going to pay all their bills at the end of the month. And there may be something in that passage of scripture that encourages them to look at, look at their life, look at their budget, look at their spending and say, you know what? I need to change something. Um, there may be something in that passage of scripture that says that gets a hold of them and causes them to think through uh, how they spend their money and what they spend their money on. And it may be a blessing for them, and it probably will be a blessing for them if they'll make a change and start guiding their own spending by biblical principles mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in such a way. And, and so it's just as much as it may offend somebody, it's probably going to help far more people. Right. And right. so I think too too often we get scared and we don't want to do it. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> Right. We shouldn't. That's right. Imagine many times it's over probably just you know, one or two people in a congregation. Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of how it is for, for many churches. I mean, 99% of the people are phenomenal, and there's always that one or 2% that just <laughs> kind of um, make things make things difficult. They are. So. They're there. Um, but, you know, we've been called to pastor the whole church, mm -hmm. and we've been called to preach the whole word. And we can't get around the fact that if you can't preach the whole word if you're not preaching about money. Right, definitely. And if you're going through a book, you know, you're, you're preaching, you know, expository preaching, you're going through an entire book of the Bible, um, you can't you can't skip certain passages, and that's kind of sometimes the great advantage of getting to preach through the entire book, is because you don't you don't skip the hard parts, and yep. the congregation doesn't um, get to you know see see you skip past those hard parts. They they have to be right there with you going through those difficult subjects. Absolutely, and uh, you know we all have as pastors we have those subjects that are easier to preach on than others. Hmm. Um, and to the pastor that you know really struggles with preaching on giving and money. Um, I just encourage them to remember that um, this is something a lot of people struggle with. Um, and and so you can really be an encouragement to them mm -hmm. if you show them what God's Word said about, says about money. 
Right. Um, and that sometimes I've found, especially um, doing this for a while, sometimes pastors struggle with this because they don't have, they feel some guilt because mm. they're not managing their own money well for the sake of the gospel and, 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 and according to biblical principles. And so um, pastor, you know, I've had to do this too, where I've looked at a passage of scripture that I was preparing to preach that was on uh, finances and go have a conversation with my wife and say, okay, before I can stand up in front of our church on Sunday and preach this, um, we're going to have to change something um, yeah. because we, we aren't doing this right. We need to fix it. And so let the scripture convict you too and be willing to admit that to your people that, hey, I wasn't doing this right and I'm going to fix it. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. And many times vulnerability from the pulpit can be a good thing because it shows the congregation that you're taking the text seriously yep. in your own life. Absolutely. So, I mean, and obviously we don't want to, you know, I mean, I, I don't believe a pastor should, you know, I mean, make themselves look like the village idiot, but no, absolutely you know, not. <laughs> um, at the same time, there is, there, there can be some advantages with, you know, showing vulnerability with the text that can be difficult and with something that, you know, we sh- all struggle with. Cause I know I struggle with it. And, uh, it's uh, it, it, but it, it can't be right. It can be very encouraging for, for the congregation and they need to hear it uh, because it definitely was a perspective shift for me. You know, when I started actually making money, when I actually started getting a real job, <laughs> right. my dad was like, well, you know, what are you going to do with the money? And we started talking about it and it was like, okay, well, I have to give some, I have to give some of this to church. You know, I'm yep. going to have to, I have to be serious about, about doing that. You know, it was difficult, but um, it was an opportunity for my parents to sit down with me and say, well, how do you view money in the first place? You know? Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, we have this conversation with our kids. Um, they're young, they're 10, six and three, but when they get a little bit of money or they earn something from some chores that they do around the house, you know, okay, you can spend some of that, but some of that needs to go to God too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just helping instill those, those principles early on, um, are, are super important. Um, and we talk about with our kids, you know, uh, like I mentioned, my wife and I pay to have this extra car that missionaries can use. So one of the things we do with, our kids, as we talk about, you know, why we put that money aside um, and why we do that. And we let them meet the missionary families when they're here and, and we'll take a missionary family to lunch and we'll buy their lunch so that they don't have to pay for it. And, and we sit down with our kids and tell them why, um, why we made that sacrifice, why we cho- chose to not spend this money over here, but invest it in ministry and missions in a way that will glorify God. And those are huge testimonies. And so as pastors, we've got to be faithful right. to show that we believe the word of God when it comes right. to money absolutely, and be that example absolutely um, towards finances. Yeah. I mean, kind of connecting it with missions, kind of like you just talked about, um, sometimes missions and just, you know, just that transparency from the church can be a great thing for people in the congregation to see how's that money being used in a mission trip, whether it be for a church or just, you know, having an IMB missionary come and talk about or North American mission, somebody from there coming and talking about how that money's being spent to help advance the kingdom can be very helpful for, you know, people. And they need to understand like, Hey, this, this money's being used for great things to advance the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if we don't remind people why they're giving, um, eventually they'll look up one day and go, wait a second, why are we doing this? Um, right. <laughs> and so we have to put it in front of them um, yeah. and remind them the purpose and share with them. Hey, listen, you know what? Um, this this young man over here in this country accepted Jesus Christ because mm-hmm. of your faithful giving. Yes. So that this missionary can be on the field. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and just and put that in front of people very regularly. Definitely. Um, as pastors, when it comes to stewardshipping your own church, you have to remind people 
why they give, why it's important. Um, they understand logically that it's to pay the bills and to fulfill the budget. Um, but remind them that, listen, you know, if we don't, if we don't meet the budget or we don't do these things, then we're not going to be able to do vacation Bible school and do it well. We're mm-hmm. not going to be able to keep the lights on. We're not going to be able to do this community outreach event um, because it does take funds to do those things. Right, right. And so remind them, use those opportunities to let them know that, you know, hey, listen, you know, we had this kid pray to receive Christ at VBS. You were a part of that, even if you weren't volunteering at VBS because you faithfully give to the church. Right. Amen. Yeah. And there definitely can be maybe some fear around um, there are people out there, especially in our country. It's very yep. popular. But there can be some some people that are not um, Christians, but they use that they may have a church and they um, use it to get money. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they, there's the, the, yeah, the health and wealth movement, basically, yep. or the word of faith, where people are trying to you know, get money out of people. Um, and they uh, talk about, you know, and talking about money in a way where if you give, you know, certain things will happen that not necessarily will. Yeah. So there might be that fear there for pastors as well. But um, so if someone said, well, maybe that's the fear that they have. They don't want pe- people in the congregation to make them think there's some prosperity gospel preacher. What would you kind of say to them just to encourage them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you do have to be careful with that. Um, and because of the prosperity gospel culture and, and, and the way people have been taken advantage of. <clears throat> that being said, it's not a reason to not talk about money. Right. You've got to overcome that, but it is something you do have to be aware of. Hmm. And so uh, the best way that I have found as a pastor to communicate that to people um, is to remind them that when they give financially to ministry, it is that it's a gift. Hmm. You know, if I gave you a hundred dollar gift card, and uh, you took off with it, and you went and spent it on whatever you wanted to spend it on. It may not have been what I would have spent that $100 on. Why? Because I gave it to you, and you're going to use it to benefit whatever it is that you want it to go for. And so, unfortunately, um, sometimes people get in their heads that when I give something, um, I, have, I, I should be able to still have control Hmm. over that in some way yes definitely. and then that i should get some of the blessing back off of this yeah. gift and that's not at all giving in the bible right it is purely a gift before the lord hmm. and a gift to him and we should fully release that um and expect absolutely nothing in return hmm. um for that and and we've already received wow. our blessing yeah we've already received everything that we need that was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Right. We don't need some other extra blessing and, uh, mm. and just making sure that people understand from the beginning, Hey, listen, that's not why we give, you know, and, uh, and these guys that are preaching that that's why we give, that doesn't match up with what the Bible says right. about generosity. And so just helping people walk that nuance. Um, now the reality is, is I do believe God does bless those who are good stewards with the resources that he has blessed them with. And, and so, you know, it's easy for people to think, well, if I just do X, I will get that, um, that blessing. But that's, that's not how it works. It is a gift. But God does, um, you know, God clearly, it's, we see in Scripture that uh, God, um, you know, God can continue to give things to people that manage things well. 
right. and give them even more to manage. And that's not just limited to talent. It can be limited to resources. Um, so don't be surprised either right. if you see that someone manages money really well for God's glory and then God chooses to bless them with even more to manage. Right. Um, they've been faithful um, to manage it well. And so why would God not put more resources in their hands? Yes, certainly. Um, but certainly it's it's a gift from the beginning. It's not yours from the beginning. And, uh, and you know what? We've received everything we need to receive before we even gave that gift through Jesus' death on the cross for mm-hmm. us. Yes. And that's why we give. Um, and it's not to get something else. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much, Stephen, for coming yep. on today. Really appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to kind of cover before we, before we close here? Um, at, well, uh, the biggest piece of that is, uh, you know, for pastors, I think, especially when it comes to stewardship and generosity, um, is, is to not be afraid um, to to walk your people through a stewardship philosophy that is biblically based hmm. um, and helping them re- recognize that uh, we've been called to really give as much as we possibly can yeah. um, for the cause of Christ, whether that's our time, um, our talents, our money, our resources, um, that we should sacrifice all of those things. Um, it's not just, and manage all of those things well. You know, um, you and I have the same number of hours in the day. Right. We need to choose to use those hours well um, for the cause of Christ. Um, yeah. You know, we have money that comes in. We need to choose to use that well. For the cause of Christ, you know, there are people uh, that serve the church in different ways. They've got talent, whether it's in, you know, music or, you know, uh, other things that they can do around the church. They're great teachers or they're great servants and they're really good with kids. We need to use all of those things well right, for the cause of Christ and uh, and make sure that we're doing as much as we can uh, because there's a time coming when the Lord will return. That's right. And uh, we're just pushing forward towards that day. And uh, we don't want to be caught being unfaithful. Yes. Um, so let's be good stewards. Let's not be afraid of what God's called us to do. Right. Right. Stewardship with every part of our life. Every you know? part of our life and do it with the best of our abilities. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Stephen, thank you. This has been a great discussion. Really, Absolutely. really appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your support of Three Rivers and uh, the work that we do um, to help our churches share the hope of the gospel. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. Um, what we'll do is we'll put a link to Three Rivers Baptist Association's website. Um, you can find any information you want on there, whether about missions. Um, there's plenty of resources that they have. And also you can get in touch with Stephen as well. All their information is on the website, whether you're talking about Stephen, Dr. Kearns, or um, anybody with the association there. Um, but Stephen, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Yes, sir. I'm Wilson Paris, and that's a good word.